let's, uh, let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have to look into your word. And we ask that you would speak to us through your word now. Directly through your word as we share together, Holy Spirit of God, speak into our hearts and our lives. For we ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. Let me ask you a question. What do you think, actually you can discuss it together, what do you think God expects of you? What does God expect of you? Why don't you, why don't you talk about it with, with someone else? Go on. Do you want to come and sit, sit down here or up there? And You're right. Okay. What does God expect of you? Okay, have a chat first, and then uh, have a chat here. Come back here, and then. What do you think God expects of you? What does God expect? I reckon the, the serious, serious people in church always sit at the back. Why is it like everywhere we go, like the best seats are at the front except in the church, where the best seats are always at the back? What, what is that? You go to the theater, you want to go right at the front normally. Okay, what do you reckon? Okay, everybody, listen up. Here we go. Here's the answers. To spread the good words. Spread the good news. Well, I, I, I kind of want too much, really. I, I expect affection from me, but I know that God is understanding beyond my understanding. So perfection from yourself, not from anyone else. Fully obedient. Okay, what else? Follow that simple commandment to love God and to love your neighbor. Follow the commandment to love God and love your neighbor. What a great biblical answer. You got anything? No? Okay. Over here? Trust in him. To trust in him. Alan, you got anything at the back there? No, no, okay. Trust in him. What else? Anything else? You got anything down here? Okay. All right. What have you got? Huh? Flowers. Okay. That sounds good. Awesome. All these things, like if we look in the Old Testament... Switch this on, would help. Oh, back one. He's shown you, immortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? What's the answer? 
to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That's the Old Testament. That's what Micah, the prophet, said to the people. This is what God requires of you. You know, like when you're in school, you had your report cards. Yet yeah, they're really funny report cards these days because they're not allowed to write anything negative, are they? So they, they have to couch it in kind of really good language. You know, things like um, young, young Jimmy is, is learning how to modulate his voice which really means that we're trying to help him not to keep shouting out to everybody, doesn't it? And so they, they say it in this language. But if we were to ask God to give a report card, in the Old Testament, this is what he would say to the people of Israel, I'm going to judge you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at you and see how, whether you're acting justly, whether you're loving mercy, and how you're doing it walking humbly with God. But in the New Testament, it changes and we've been looking at the criteria, if you like, of what God says is how I am going to, this is my expectation of you. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's read it together. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Eight things, he says, are the things that I'm going... These are the things I want to see in you, right? This is what Jesus is saying. These are the things where you're going to receive the blessing of God if you do these things. So what do they mean? Why don't you quickly on your tables? We've done this over the last few weeks. Let me go back a, right, let me go back a screen. What do they mean? Just discuss. What does it mean to be poor in spirit, to mourn, to be meek, to hunger and thirst for righteousness? What do they mean? Just discuss it really quickly. Okay, you might have to talk to one another about that. So what are they? Let's look at them really quickly. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? Anybody? What does it mean? Blessed are the poor in spirit. What does that mean? Sorry? To be humble, we just depend on him completely. That's exactly. Blessed are the poor in spirit. It means that we recognize our poverty before God, that we have nothing that we can offer God, that we are. We're empty vessels, right? That, that God chooses to fill us, but we have nothing. You can't make a bargain with God. You know, like when you... When you're a child with a parent, you're like, what's in it for me? Like, tidy your room up. And you go, well, yeah, yeah, but like, we've got to make a deal about this. I'm not just going to tidy my room up, right? What, what's in this for me? If, if I do this for you, what are you going to do for me? We do that when we're adults as well, don't we? But with God, you can't bargain. Because God said, nothing in you that I need, nothing in you I want, right? 
You can't bargain with God. He, God is complete in and of God's self, right? The Trinity has every relationship he needs. Everything that God needs is within the Godhead. He doesn't need you or me, but he chooses to, to fill us. He chooses to love us in spite of that. And we have to recognize that, that very point. So you can't be good enough to, to win God's favor. You can't be perfect enough to win God's favor. You can't be religious enough to win God's favor. Which is great because that means you can't be imperfect enough to lose God's favor. You can't be irreligious enough to lose God's favor. Do you see what I mean? We have to just recognize that we are who we are. We have that poverty. And that we stand before God helpless, but God chooses then to fill us. Because God chooses to. Because God is love. But it's not about us, it's all about Him. So that's the poverty of spirit. What about the mourning? What does that mean? Blessed are those who mourn. Come on, really quickly here. This is recap. To show compassion, that's part of it. What are we mourning? That we don't have the kind of relationship with God. This is spiritual mourning about the relationship that we don't have with God that we want to have. Remember, we talked about the distance between where we could be to where we are right now. We could be receiving all these blessings, but we don't because of our disobedience and our sinfulness. What about meekness? What's meekness? Blessed are the meek. Power under God's control. That God gives us His power, but it's always under His control. And so we are vessels of God's power, vessels of His presence. We are temples of the Holy Spirit, says in 1 Corinthians, right? We are, we have the power of God within us, but it has to be under His control. And meekness is allowing God to use that power in and through us. Hunger and thirst for righteousness, what's that? Having that longing to be more like Christ. Righteousness is in a right relationship. It's having that that desire, that hunger to be in a right relationship with God. Then last time we looked at these, what does it mean to be merciful? Let me skip on a bit. Here's the four we've just done. Recognize your poverty, mourn the loss of what could be, exhibit meekness, power under God's control, hunger, prioritize your relationship. What was meekness? Not meekness, sorry. Mercy. Mercy is showing a different response. Somebody hurts you, natural response, hurt them back. But being merciful is showing a different way. You see that most clearly in Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Showing mercy to the people who are nailing him to the cross. Be pure in heart. Be pure in spirit. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they will see God. Choosing what God wants over what we want. Having that purity, that that openness inside of us for the things of God. Being peacemakers, avoiding division and repairing the brokenness around us. And then expect the opposition. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Expect it. Don't shy away from it. But God wants to teach us when opposition comes. That's the Beatitudes. That's the foundation that Jesus says 
that we need to build on. And everything else that we will talk about in the Sermon on the Mount as we unfold it is the application of those eight things. The reason I keep going on about these eight things, if you don't get them, if you don't understand these eight things, then the application doesn't make sense, okay? Because what Jesus does is then that people are asking him questions. Well, what does this mean in this situation? And he says, let me explain. What does this mean in this other situation? What does this mean when, when somebody is angry with someone else? Let me explain. What does this mean when, when I see somebody murder someone? Let me explain. What, do we, what does it mean when I see somebody covet something from someone else? Let me explain. And as we go through the Sermon on the Mount, what we're going to do is we will keep coming back to these eight foundational statements. These eight ways in which we are to live our lives. Because Jesus, in the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, is explaining it and applying it to real-life situations of the people around him. These are foundational. These are the things we need to get a hold of in our lives if we're going to receive the blessing that God wants to give to us. Secondly, they're attainable. They're not things that we can't achieve. They are things that we can achieve. They're things that God says, Jesus says, these are the things I want in your life. I'm not just going to tell you things to shoot for, but you're never going to reach it. I'm going to tell you things that you can have in your life and have it in abundance. And thirdly, they're essential. If we're going to live in the way that God wants us to live, in the fullness of what he wants, then these are the things we need to work on in our lives. But we're going to carry on reading today. Matthew 5, 13 to 16, because first of all, he, he describes it in a kind of a generalized way before he gets into specifics about murder and adultery and divorce and promises and so on. And as we look at it today, he talks about salt and light. He says this, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father in heaven. Amen. Salt, he says, we are to be salt, we are to be light. First thing he says about these things, or we recognize about them, is that both of them are transformational. Anybody ever swallowed seawater? Too many times. What happens? It tastes disgusting. And you wash your mouth out with water and it's still there. And you wash it out with more water and it's still there. And finally, you have to go for a really big ice cream just to get rid of the taste, right? You can't put salt into something without it changing the flavor and the taste, can you? You know when, when something has been over-salted, you're like, whoa, it, it affects it. You can't. Put a light in a dark room without it changing the circumstances around it, right? Both of these are transformational. Both of these make changes to the situation around it, yes? 
If we were to turn all the lights off, we won't, but, well, you can. Turn, turn them right down. Turn off the main lights. Now what happens? Now you start seeing lights. You can see the light at the screen. You see the lights at the back. You see the spotlights up here. You see the little blue lights shining clearly in the, in the speakers. You can see who's got tablets on, who's playing games on their phones, who's texting someone else. You can see it all now, can't you? It's really clear. I can see Phil because the light of his tablet is shining up against his chin, you know. So you can see him more than I can see Elaine at the far end who has no light around her, right? That's what light does. It transforms, it changes the things around you. And Jesus said, you're going to be salt and you're going to be light. It changes not only the things around you, but it changes you, yourself, right? Firstly, the transformation comes in you and in me. Who does he say is salt and light? We are. You are the salt of the world. You are the light of the world. But also, it not only changes us, it changes others around us. When we are the salt, we are the light, it has an impact on other people around us. You see, the key is this. The more blessing you allow, the more you'll see it in people around you. What does Jesus say in the Beatitudes? Blessed are dot, 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 right? Eight times. I want to, in other words, he's saying, if you do these things, I'm going to pour my blessing into you, okay? I'm pronouncing my blessing upon you if you do that. If you're a peacemaker, my blessing will come. If you're merciful, my blessing will come. If you're going to get persecuted, my blessing will come. If you are meek, my blessing will come. If you recognize the poverty of your spirit, my blessing will come. And the more we allow and we recognize and we put into action the Beatitudes, the more we'll see the blessing of God in our lives. One thing somebody said to me, there's a, there's a, a massive difference in some ways between a blessing and a miracle. And I was, re I was reading an article that somebody sent me about it. I would rather live with blessing in my life so I don't need a miracle than I live with a miracle. People who come and ask for a miracle, it's because they haven't lived, they're not living in the blessing. Let me explain what I mean. Would you rather be blessed by having enough money in your bank account to pay all your bills and to live? Or would you rather come into a service and say, Lord, I need a miracle from you because I'm in debt? I'd rather live in the blessing. Would you rather live with the blessing of good health so that you don't ever have to go to the doctor and you're always feeling well? Or would you rather live going, Lord, I need a miracle because I need this healing in my life? I'd rather live with the blessing, wouldn't you? And what the Beatitudes are saying is these are the blessings that you can have. I can give you my blessings, but you've got to live like this. This is the way you receive the blessing. And so the more blessing, the more we are sword and light, the more we allow the blessing of God in our lives, then the more we will see it, we will experience it for ourselves and others will see it around us, okay? Make sense? Let's look at it a bit closer. You're the sword of the earth. 
But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Salt was a preservative. This is in the days before refrigerators and freezers, right? So what did you used to have to do? If you got some meat and you want to keep it, you have to rub salt into it. Anybody ever done that? You done that? Yep. So you rub it in. You get your hands in the meat. You get your salt and you rub it into the meat. And the meat becomes salty and the salt preserves the meat. It prevents the decay. It's a preservative. But to do that, you need to get, you've got to get the salt into the meat, right? You need contact. You can't have the salt in a dish over there and the meat over here and go, there, I've done my job. Let me just put a bit of salt in a dish and put the meat next to it and think that's going to work. It won't. You have to get the salt into the meat itself. And we are the salt of the earth, so we need to get involved in the earth around us, in the things around us. If we're going to make a difference. You see, what Jesus is saying is that you and me are the primary channel of his blessing. You live the beatitude way, you receive the blessing. But it's not just for you, it's for others around you. And being that blessing, we affect the people around us. God wants to bless you, but to bless you and through you to bless other people around you. So our responsibility is to live the beatitude way, live a way that gives us the blessing of God into our lives so that we can then be a channel of blessing to other people, just like salt. Salt has that in and of itself. It is a preservative agent. But when you bring it into contact with other, other things, then that preservative starts to work, right? No good just leaving it in the salt container. But there's a warning, isn't there? If salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? What he's saying is if you don't live the beatitude lifestyle, then what use are you? You're going to be affecting the people around you, but if you're not affecting them with the blessing of God, because that blessing is not flowing through you, then you're going to be affecting them with other things, the things that are not from God. And Jesus says, be careful of that. That's not what he wants. I want you to do something on your table right now. I want you to think back over the last week. And I want you to count up just to yourself, and then you can share a number. Count up all the meaningful conversations, the people that you've met this last week, okay? Now, I don't mean just people the way you've just gone into, you know, Tesco's, you're at the checkout, high, high, you know, 38 pounds, 75, thank you very much, and you're gone, right? That's not a meaningful conversation. But the people that you've actually had meaningful conversations, just count up the number. So you start with your family, count up the number, not the number of conversations, but the number of people. So like, my wife will be one, 
right? I've had more than one conversation with her last week. At least she has with me, right? Um, so that's, but that's one. Then my two boys, that's three for me. Then think about my work colleagues. I think about other people in the church. I think about friends, other people. Just try and count up roughly how many meaningful conversations with different people you've had in the last week. And then share it on your table. There's no, there's no prize for the most, by the way. That just means you talk lots, right? Okay, you got a number? Roughly? How much? Ten? Okay. Eight? Anybody else? Nine? Five or six? Seven? How many? Over a hundred. Busy week. That's cool. Just depends where you are, doesn't it? There's no right or wrong answer. But what I'm saying is that those, whoever those are, just getting to think about it, that is your, the primary channel of God's blessing into those eight or a hundred people or wh- however many people's lives is you. God wants to use you to speak blessing into their lives. You understand? He says, you are salt. You are the ones that I've placed in this particular location. You're the ones that I've placed where you are with your sphere of influence around you, the people that I brought into your sphere to be sought for them. These are the ones that you've touched this last week in conversation, and they've touched you. So you are the primary channel of God's blessing potentially into their lives, right? Does that make sense? Are you still with me here? The pastries are not kicking in yet. You haven't like left me in. Good. So this is why there's a warning. Because God has said, this is my plan for these people, is I'm going to use you, I'm going to flow through you as salt into their lives. I'm going to bless you so that you can bless them. Now, if you're not salty because you're not living the beatitude lifestyle, then what happens to the blessing that these people could receive? What happens? It's not there. It's a missed opportunity. It's simply not happening because you're refusing to be the channel. And God says, you know what? I placed you there to be a channel. I placed you there to be salt. It's like you saying, I'm salt, but I'm staying in my dish. Thanks very much. I'm not touching that meat. That meat's a bit smelly already, right? I'm not going to get involved. If you're not living the beatitude lifestyle, then either what you're doing is you're being a channel of something other than the blessing of God into their lives and being a a human influence instead of a divine influence. Or you're not touching them at all. 
and you're refusing to be the channel. It's like God has placed you there. He said, I want you to be salt to these people. And you're going, no, thanks very much. I'll, I'll still be there, but I, no way I'm letting you flow through me. That's just embarrassing. I'm not having that. And you're losing the opportunity, and you're, you're stopping the work of the Holy Spirit. You're grieving the Holy Spirit. And what God says, what Jesus said is, if you, if you do that too long, what is he going to do? I'm going to throw you out and I'm going to get someone else in there because you're not doing what I'm asking you to do. Put it this way. I have a million pounds sitting in my bank account. No, I don't really, but right, just suppose. You come to me and you say, David, Pastor, I'm struggling to pay the rent and I'm 200 pounds in arrears. Can you help me? And I go, nah. What would you think about me? Mean? Stingy? Definitely a Chelsea fan rather than an Arsenal fan. Is that what you're thinking? Back a row, definitely an Arsenal fan rather than a Chelsea fan. You know. You'd think like, that's a bit tight, isn't it? Especially if you then go and see me lavishing money on everybody else and going, hey, Mike, would you like a new tennis racket? Here you go. I'll get you Roger Federer's very own tennis racket. You know? And you see me throwing money around and I won't help someone in need. You think, my goodness, what kind of a guy is that? And yet, are we not doing the same when we stop the blessing of God? When he's placed us in places to be an impact into people's lives, to bring them the blessing of God. You see why this is so important? He said, I'm going to place you where I'm putting you to work, where I'm putting your friends, in these families, so that you can be a channel of blessing. They can receive the blessing of God in their lives through your impact. And we're going, nah, don't think so. And Jesus says, you do that too long, I'm going to cut you off. says the same thing with the vine and the branches. If you're not bearing fruit, what happens? I cut you off and I throw you away because I'll replace you with someone who will. Do you see why he says it? Look at it in light. You're a light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and give glory to the Father in heaven. Light, as we said, it provides illumination, direction. When you're at nighttime and you're going, what happens? You ever been in a house where it's like just pitch black and you're stumbling around? You ever been like where you're kind of like going like this at nighttime because you're in a strange place and you left your, you know, your torch at home or whatever. And you're like, oh, you have no idea where you're going, do you? You're expecting that you're going to fall down the stairs at any minute or bang into something or whatever. We're so helpless without the light. And Jesus says, I want you to be the ones that provide the direction in people's lives. You're there to provide the illumination for them. 
the direction for their lives. You are God's primary light for others to follow. So they should look at you and see you and say, hey, that's someone I want to follow. That's someone, I like that. There's something in them that, that draws me. I want to follow their example. Jesus said, well, first of all, in Luke 2, Simeon, when he took baby Jesus, do you remember he said, this boy is going to be the light of the revelation to the Gentiles? And then Jesus in John says, I am the light of the world. And here he says, you are the light of the world. You know, I quite like Jesus saying, I am the light of the world, right? I can handle that. Jesus, thank you. You're the light of the world. But it's more scary when he says, you're the light of the world. In other words, you're the same as Jesus. And see, Paul, in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he says this, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And I've heard many people say, that's Paul just being arrogant. It's not Paul being arrogant, it's Paul being honest. It's Paul saying, you know what? He's saying the same words as Jesus. You see me, Thomas, you've seen the Father. People should look at you and look at me and say, you've seen, seen Karen, you've seen Jesus. You've seen David, you've seen Jesus. You've seen Pauline, you've seen Jesus. You've seen Mike, you've seen Joan. You've seen Jesus. We should be able to say, hey, follow my example because I'm living, not perfect, but I'm living the best I can live, the beatitude lifestyle. Yeah, I admit I, I fail every single day. But actually, you want an example to follow? Look in my life. It's not perfect. Admit that straight away. Far from perfect, but... You want something tangible to show you what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Look at me. And we should all be in that situation. Not, not because of pride or arrogance, but because you're the light of the world. And people will look at you and say, that's something there that I want to follow. There's a direction, there's a purpose, there's a meaning, there's... There's a life there. There's a blessing in their lives that I don't have in my life. And I want that blessing for myself. There's a blessing that radiates out of them because they're sought that I want in my life. Because I want to be a blessing to others around me. Not just through them receive the blessing. See how it works? So he says, be the light, follow But he says there's a warning as well. Don't try and hide it. Because if you hide it, then what's going to happen? People won't know what to follow, who to follow, how, where's the example? Where today are the examples of believers in Jesus Christ for us to follow? People should look at you and me and say, I want to follow that. That's inspirational. That's different. Because they're living the beatitude lifestyle. They're not 
They're not throwing back anger with anger. But they're showing mercy and peace. They're showing love. I see something different in their lives to the lives of people around me. We can all think of a million examples of people around us who show us the world and what the world says. What we should be doing is looking at people around us here and saying, hey, they're showing me what it's like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Don't hide it. Because if you hide a light, what happens if you hide a, a candle, a flame? It goes out. It's not like you can switch it on and off like a torch. Jesus is talking here about a light, a flame. You put a flame, you put a bowl over a flame, it goes out. And then it can't be lit again. It's gone. It's dead. And it's useless. What's the point of that big candle up there? Useless. Unless we light it. And then it looks really awesome. And shows light. Be the light. Let your light shine. So that people around you will see it. Let's close in a minute. The truth is this. We are God's plan for the transformation of others. God has no plan B. Right? You're it. I'm it. That's it. He has one plan, plan A. He said, I am going to transform the world, and I'm going to do it through you guys. That's it. I don't need another plan because it's going to work. And I wouldn't argue with God. Now, from our perspective, we think, Lord, I think you've overstretched it a bit here with this plan. Right? I wouldn't even trust me to fulfill this plan. I don't know why you're trusting me. But God says, you know what? Look at the history of the world. Look at the number of people that have become believers in Jesus Christ. Look at the people who try to follow. Look at the changes in our world. Look at the transformation that's happened in our world because of people who have followed the light of Christ. We see so much in our world that we take for granted today because people have followed. We are God's nation of others. So when we pray for others around us, don't just pray, Lord, you know, transform my brother, transform my sister, transform my wife, transform my husband. God's saying, I placed you there to be the agent of transformation. We need to say, Lord, transform my workplace. God is saying, I'll do it through you. That's why you're there. Lord, there's, there's, there's division in my workplace. We should be saying, Lord, use me as the agent of transformation in this place. There's division in my family. Lord, use me. I don't know how, but use me as the agent of transformation to bring peace into my family. Lord, there are people in my family that don't know you. Lord, use me as the light in my family to draw people to yourself. You see how the prayer changes? We just kind of subcontract it back to God all the time. And he's saying, no, I've placed you as salt and I've placed you as light. Be salt. Be light in those situations. How? Firstly, let the, the Beatitudes live it for yourself. 
First, we need the blessing in our own lives, yeah? As we live those eight statements, as we live them in our lives, we receive the blessing of God. Blessed are, so when we show mercy, we receive blessing. When we show peace, we receive blessing. When we hunger and thirst, we receive blessing. When we recognize our poverty, every time we do that, we receive blessing. When we're persecuted, we receive blessing. Be transformed by the blessing of God in your own life. First thing. Second thing. Let that blessing flow. It's not just for you and for me. Thank you, Jesus, for the blessing in my life. No, he says, I'm going to use you to touch the people around you. Your salt, your light. Let the blessing flow through you into their lives. And then tell them. When you, or when we do that, people ask. First time I remember it happened to me. I was in Africa. I was digging a toilet for a family. I was up to my armpits in mud and stone and water. And the father looked at me, and I was about four foot down the hole with a pickaxe digging his pit toilet for him. And he said to me, why are you doing this? Why would you come all the way from the United Kingdom to dig a toilet for me? And I dropped the pickaxe, and I said, let me tell you why I'm here. And I told him. As we live the Beatitudes, you don't, you don't have to go and tell people about Jesus. They'll ask you about Jesus. They will say to you, why, why are you doing this? Why are you not throwing back insult when they insult you? Why are you showing mercy when everybody else is not showing mercy? Why are you constantly trying to bring peace when other people are divided? Why, why are you like this? Why, do you, why, is, why is there so much blessing around you? Then you tell them about Jesus. You know, I can't stand the people who stand out on the street corners, start shouting and raving about Jesus. I go by like, you know why? I mean, I admire their courage. But I'm thinking like, what kind of love have you got for people's lives? You know the people that are walking by you? Wait till they ask you. Jesus didn't go around forcing himself on anyone. They came up to him. Why? Because they saw the blessing radiating out of his life. And they said, I want a bit of that blessing. I want to touch the hem of his garment. I'll receive the blessing. I, I want to I learn from him. I'll receive the blessing. And he says the same thing for you and for me. Right, everybody up. Go stand next to a radiator for a couple of minutes because it's freezing. I don't know why it's so cold in here. I'm going to stand over here. Then we're going to pray. I know that's what you wanted to do. I could see it in your faces. And I know that's what I wanted to do too. 
There's some really good. You move some chairs if you want to move some chairs. Let's pray for one another. Does that make sense to you today? Yeah? You know what? You know why Jesus says these things? Now, let me, let me close with this one thing. Don't focus on the warning. Focus on the blessing. Right? Jesus doesn't say these things about the warnings to make you feel guilty to do what he wants you to do. He wants you to do the things because of the blessing that you can receive and others can receive through it. He says the warnings because we need to be real about what we're doing. That if we don't do it, there are consequences. But he doesn't say it because of the warnings, right? Too many times in church it's been like, let me, let me make you feel so guilty that you'll have to do what I'm asking you to do, right? Jesus isn't like that. Jesus says, I want to pour out my blessing, the blessing of God into your lives because it is amazing. And it is so amazing that it will transform your life and you'll live a life of blessing and a life of abundance. I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. That's what I want for you, that kind of abundance in your life. But he's saying, you know what? It will be so abundant, it will flow out of you and it will touch everybody around you. You're going to be salt, you're going to be light. And people will come to you and say, hey, hey, what, what's, what's going on? You're different. You're, there's something about you. That's the moment you say, let me tell you. Let me tell you about where the source of this blessing comes from. And that you can have that blessing too. He wants to use you and me this week. I want you just to think for a moment while you're huddling the radiator. Close your eyes. It's like that warmth that you're feeling right now. That heat that's in you right now can radiate out of you to people this week. I want you to think of one person this week who you can be a blessing to. Somebody that doesn't know Jesus Christ. Somebody that you've been placed into their sphere, into their relationship. Somebody that you're going to meet this week that you know. And as you feel that warmth from the radiator coming into you, Imagine that's the, the heat, the presence of Jesus Christ. And it's going to flow through you into someone else. You know when you, when you touch the radio, when you're nice and warm and you meet someone that's really cold? Oh, you're lovely and warm. And they can feel it. That's what's going to happen this week. As you allow God to flow through you. Let's pray. Lord just as we're touching the radiator right now and feeling the heat. So Lord, as we this week allow you to flow, you have blessed us so abundantly. Continue to bless us as we live the kingdom, the beatitude lifestyle. But Lord, the blessing is not just to stop within us, it's to flow through us. And as we're touching this radiator and as we touch someone else in a moment by the hand, they will feel the heat. 
Lord, may we do that this week. Flow through me. May I be salt. May I be light to this one person I'm thinking of right now. Give me that opportunity. And Lord, may I be consistent in showing them what it means to be salt and light. Until you draw them to yourself through me. So that they can be a follower of you. A source of blessing to others too. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Lord, we thank you. We're not worthy you choose us and you flow through us anyway. We thank you and we praise you in the name of Christ. Amen.